You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 122. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for joining me for part two of our Valentine's Day special, All About Pleasure. If you haven't listened to the part one of this episode, I highly recommend going to check it out. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. It's episode 121, or you can go over to jesslively.com slash part one. Now, to give you a quick update, if you haven't listened to that or you're just checking in right now, this conversation is with hormone specialist Elisa Vitti of flowliving.com discussing pleasure and how it applies in this episode in the context of relationships. Whether they're special relationships with significant others or not, we're going to discuss both types of relationships and we're going to specifically hone in on ways to embody pleasure in the bedroom. So if you have children and you don't want them to hear this episode, listen to this one on your own. Let's go to the show. And then when you want to start thinking about how does this segue into romantic partnership, then it gets really interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, let's kind of move into the bedroom now. (laughs) Yeah, because if you have a practice of this being oriented to your self-pleasure first, then you get into a dynamic with somebody else and you really have the best possible chance of having a powerful sexual partnership with that person, right? Where it isn't about, okay, let me just do what, you know, is he likes or she likes or, you know, what's what's in their pleasure. And let, let me make sure that I'm doing what they want first so that at least I know we're okay, right? We're just, you're not even going to be oriented that way. You're going to be thinking, what's going to be the most fun right now instead of who gets to go first, right? It's a very different conversation than what's going to be the most fun. Maybe What's going to be the most fun for you right now is giving first, but maybe it's going to be receiving first and maybe it's going to be receiving in a very specific way. Can we talk specifics? Yeah, let's go into it. We'll just make this one like maybe put the earmuffs on the kids. (laughs) It's not going to be graphic. I'm just going to say that, you know, early on when I was dating my now husband, I just, you know, had a little creative inspiration and I said, listen, he had recently gotten the keys to my apartment. So we had been dating for a while and I said, listen, I want you to be, I want you to key into my apartment at such and such a time on whatever Friday night. I was like, just let yourself in and whatever you find, I want you to kind of like take charge of the situation. That's the only instructions I gave him was unlock the door and then come in and like be in charge. And I proceeded to, you know, put on my favorite little lingerie and put on a blindfold and just waited on the bed for like an hour waiting for him to come. And that whole hour I was waiting, I was like, this is so fun. (laughs) (laughs) I was having the most fun just waiting, you know, not not even to mention what happened when he arrived, but like, it was a clear indication of I'm here. I can't see you come in. I can't see what's going on. And I'm going to be exclusively in receiving mode. So have at it. And that was such a fun thing to just ask of him, right? To be so forthright and say, you know, I just want to, I really want to just receive, exclusively receive and see what that feels like. And it was great. It opened up so much great dialogue in our relationship and, you know, just really made him even more excited about being in a relationship with me because I was willing to be so, in a way, taking leadership by saying, you know, 
I want my pleasure this way. He was like, oh, I love getting the recipe. I love getting the formula. If you tell me what it is that you want, I know as your partner that I can be successful and I want to win with you. I want to be the quote unquote knight in shining armor, not to rescue you, but to, to serve you the way you want. And if you can tell me what it is, the way that you want it, I will do that for you. <laughs> Literally. She was like, I love you. That's why I love you. <laughs> I wonder how many people now, because this is going to air a few days before Valentine's Day, are going to have the same request of their partners. <laughs> yeah. You know, listen, I don't really go down the road of like kink and stuff. So I'm not, it wasn't like a whole Fifty Shades of Grey date night. It was just, I just was like, all right, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to just see what he wants to do. I want to get to know him too this way. And it was just so, so much fun. But, you know, and, and I make up experiments all the time with him like that. I'm like, all right, what if, you know, I just kind of decide like a scenario. And I have, I have another girlfriend who does this. She does this with like date nights with her husband where she'll say, okay, tonight we're in Paris. And she sets the table in a Parisian theme and she makes like a French dinner and she wears a little like... French-inspired fashion, non-lingerie, just regular clothes. And of course, it's all for her. The husband's just happy to eat dinner, you know? <laughs> He's like, all right, we're eating a baguette tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're having, okay, great. But, you know, he, what turns him on is seeing her so, I mean, like, you know, she could be an interior designer. She's so good at this. Like, she, you know, so it's just her creative expression which is a part of her sexual self-expression. When we look at sexuality, it comes from the second chakra, which is, you know, money, sex, power, creativity. And so being able to express all of those aspects of your nature is so magnetic. It's such a turn on for anybody else in your life. And she does it for herself. And of course, they end up having great sex. And it's just, you know, great married life sex. There's nothing special, so to speak, about techniques or something that they're doing in the bedroom. But she's properly seduced herself by the time dinner's over. And she's focused on pleasuring herself in that way. And it really pays off for their marriage. And they have been married for a while and a couple of kids. And it's like super fresh energy for them. What a great example of bringing that feminine creative energy and practicing the path of self-pleasure as a priority in the context of a relationship that has nothing to do with sex, right? It can, but it doesn't even have to. And so I love those two examples. I think they're good ones to marinate on. Yes. And to kind of bring this full circle, to really look at the context of what we've really shared is that if historically in broad strokes, there's been a male-dominated world view and the society's kind of been operating in that way of how can the man be pleasured and the women can often be looking for attention from through their mind and their attributes there or their bodies and attributes there that by using this third way of pleasure, not only are we not having to seek it explicitly through interactions with the masculine energy that we can self-provide, but also that that is actually attractive to the other energy and that it is magnetism in and of itself. I know. It's kind of like the secret that maybe they quote unquote, they didn't want us to know about like that. In fact, you doing you to a fault, right? Being your unabashed self and, and having a good time and finding the way to juice yourself up throughout the day and everything that you do is the secret to your happiness, your health and great relationships and a great sex life. I mean, it's just really simple about really getting to know yourself and what gets you juiced up is the path to having those things work the way that they're meant to. It is a position of you being in leadership in a way 
where you're saying, yeah, this is me. This is what I like being forthright about it and empowering the people around you to be co-conspirators. They're not serving you. They're co-conspirators. Like, like, for example, Jess, let's say you and I were hanging out in the same town. You know me pretty well now, right? You could imagine that like a pleasure-filled evening together would involve some farm-to-table organic restaurant, <laughs> right? Or, you know, followed by some sort of like raw chocolate, you know, dessert and like, you know, some sort of like walk around the city to get some movement. Maybe we read 500 pages. <laughs> well, we wouldn't read together because that's not like very social, but like maybe, maybe we'd go to a fun dance class or something, you know, maybe we do something fun like that, you know, just be about being in our bodies, taking care of our bodies. Like that is a pleasure orientation that I have that I can share. And that you can, since you know that about me, we can be co-conspirators in pursuing that kind of pleasure together. And, and you, and because I've been so forthright about it, you feel really confident that we could have a good time together. Cause you know that about me and you're like, Oh yeah, well, if I'm going to hang out with Elisa, we're going to like, I should tell her about this new restaurant I heard about and that will be great. And so we're, we're like having a good time together. It's easy. It's fun. It's a success. So you can do this with your girlfriends. You can do this with your boyfriends. You can do this with your mother. You know what I mean? Like just start telling everybody what makes you feel good? And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, well, either, yeah, that makes me feel good, too, or I want to do that and see if I like it, you know, and you're going to just help enroll so many other women onto this path of practicing self-pleasure, even if they don't know about the concept, you're just going to get them in the habit. So now let's look at the ego that might be presenting and flaring up for some people that might be saying, oh, this sounds so selfish, or I don't have the time. So what about, how are we going to overcome those resistances? That definition of selfish is like we could split that Six one way, half a dozen the other. <laughs> you know, I think, let's see. So I'm a mom. I think I can talk about this from the, the motherhood perspective now. And this is still an important part of me showing up for my daughter in a really positive way is me practicing this path of self-pleasure. So I don't need to tell any mom listening that if you go too long doing, doing, doing for others, you start to get real cranky and real tired and real burnt out, right? And if you're not a mom, you know, this is easily happening in situations where, you know, you're just like over committing at work or over committing in other relationships. And it's just like, oh God, I can't, I need a break, right? You just, you get to that breaking point where you need a break. By the time you've reached the breaking point, the quality of your interactions has typically degenerated for a period of time, right? Where you feel short tempered and irritable and you're not, you can't be present with that other person. And, you know, when I really look at that in the situation of my daughter, I really don't like it when I slip and I do that where I just, I can't enjoy her. I mean, she's 15 months now. She's only going to be this small for like another few months. And it just goes by so fast. I mean, I just feel like I gave birth to her a minute ago. She's not a little infant anymore. She's running around. She's talking. She has opinions of her own. She doesn't want me to, she doesn't want to even hold my hand when we go walking in the park. She's already that independent kid. The clock is ticking on, you know, how much more time I have to like snuggle and be like little girl fun with her. I don't want to miss a moment. And maybe I feel that way because I've come to the motherhood conversation as an older mom. But, you know, I would imagine that any mom would feel this way because you love your kids so much, you want to really soak up every minute. So I just want to make sure that I am putting a, a lifestyle together that allows me to be present, to have energy, to be in a good mood, to engage with her in a way that's uplifting and woman to woman because she is a woman on the verge, right? I mean, she's going to go through puberty. She's going to become a young woman. 
I am very aware how I model this for her will save her so much time and having to figure this out for herself like I did. You know, I did not get this modeling growing up. My mom was the self-sacrificing type. It was not someone who really had a lot of happiness and a lot of stress, a lot of family obligations, and just just never really was doing the things that she wanted and no self-care practice whatsoever. In fact, quite the opposite of the things that I've had to figure out how to do and how to incorporate. And I want to model that for my daughter so that she can have a leg up and save some time and figuring that out. So all of these things are my motivation. And when I put those on the balance scale of what I value in my interaction with her and what it takes to allow me to interact with her that way, it doesn't seem selfish to me at all. It seems mission critical. And it's like chocolates on the other end of the scale or a hot mug of tea or right a manicure. It's like awesome things. <laughs> what am I doing that's so bad? You know, like, <laughs> not like I'm like, see a kid, you're on your own to feed yourself. I'm going to go out. Not bad at all. <laughs> it's not necessarily a week in Bali if it doesn't work in your budget. No, 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 no. I And, you know, I'm one of those, I haven't been on a plane since I got pregnant. I mean, I just haven't been interested in dressing my body in that way. I haven't put her on a plane it's my choice. It's not like a, you know, it's not that you shouldn't. It's just my choice. I don't feel like going through the hassle of dealing with that right now. So, you know, I'm coddling myself, but I'm choosing pleasure. Like to me, taking her on a trip does not seem pleasurable right now. If we can drive there in the car, great. You know, we've done those types of road trips and beach trips and things like that. But, you know, to fly to an event, I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> that doesn't sound good, you know. So in some ways, I'm putting her and, her, you know, my pleasure first. And I don't, I still don't think that's selfish. I think it's, um, it's just really allowing for me to be the best mom that I can be. So I think it's really about looking at the context. I think selfish, when we really look at the real definition, it's a really narrow term that's really about almost doing things when you know it's upsetting to the other person or when you know that it's going to deprive someone of something that they need, that's selfish. But when you're doing something that's going to benefit everyone, that's not selfish. That's leadership. That's brave. That's courageous. That's powerful. That's power. One of my members of my Life with Intention online community is a mom and she's full-time. I think she has a side business as well that she does along with mothering, but mothering is a big part of her day and energy that she's putting out right now. And she has, I think, two little ones. And she was sharing one of the big things from the takeaway she got from class, but it kind of applies in this scenario because I kind of, when you said, is this taking away from someone or not, or is this giving? It's an interesting story. So she had... I think her daughter was sick or she was sick recently over the winter and she was really exhausted and at her wit's end with being home alone, taking care of her child or children for so long, being so worn out. So she was at that breaking point that you mentioned and her husband offered to stay at home for a few hours so she could go to the coffee shop alone and recharge. And I think that one of her values is like indulging or some, I think was the value. And so normally she would have said no because he technically, that's not a necessarily acceptable thing, quote unquote, in his job. So she would have said, no, 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 like you go, I'm not going to say yes to that offer. But she recognized in that moment that even though her previous self would have seen that as selfish or taking away from his opportunities, she realized that in the grand scheme of things, the negative effect of him staying home was far less impactful 
than her actually getting those two hours to go indulge and like recharge in this small way that she came back like feeling like a million bucks. It was only two hours and it was just in the morning. So you just went into work slightly later than usual. And like I said, that's not the typical thing that's supposed to happen in his specific environment, but he offered it. And instead of saying no and thinking that that was selfish, she recognized it was not because she was such a better mom the rest of the week, a better wife the rest of the week. Like everyone was better off, even her husband who had offered it in the first place. Yeah. I mean, listen, we've been, I think, given a lot of subtle conditioning about, you know, being in service at the expense of ourselves and our bodies and the science the psychology, the research is, has long been in, which is that it's just, it's misleading information. That's not the way forward. It's not the path of happiness or health that in fact, the more you do these experiments, just like you did with your skin, right? The more you do it, the more you prove to yourself that what you had been buying into as a set of beliefs is not true. And that there is another way. So all, all we can say, you know, we're, we're here having this really, really important conversation. I'm sure it's pressing buttons in you. That's good. That's good. You know, there, whenever we're being presented with new ways of thinking, our existing systems get real, real nervous. And they're like, wait, that can't be true. Or I don't agree with that. Or, you know, no, (laughs) or I don't like her. You know, that's fine. I can take it. It's okay. The point of the matter is that by just committing to the experiment, don't take our word for it. We've already done this experiment and we're, we're here to say, and, I'm, and you know, Jess, I want to hear just a little bit more about you know, what, some of the things that you've been doing, but do your own experiments. Tell me, tell me what you learn. What observations do you make when you just do some of these new self-pleasuring prioritizations during the day? Like what little wins can you give yourself around this conversation and How's it shifting your thinking? How's it shifting your relationships? How's it shifting your creativity, your productivity, your energy? Like, who cares about this? I mean, and I love that we're doing this on Valentine's Day because who cares about what's going on in the bedroom? Because that, you know, for women, this is why they could never really ever make a Viagra for women. Because like for us, it is not about our clitoris. That is not really what our turn on is derived from. I mean, yes, that helps. Um, And yes, we can have those pleasurable sensations, but in order for us to even get into a place where we are in the mood to take off our panties and have a good time with somebody, you know, we have to have all these other things in our lives feeling good, you know, because of the way our brains are. Women's brains are much more interconnected than men's. We have a larger bundle of nerve fibers that connects the right and left hemispheres of our brain. And so that means that not only do the sort of structures and facts and like, you know, tasks of our lives need to feel like they're handled, but the way we feel about them, you know, need to feel good for us to really unwind into that deeper center of our body, that lower center, that second chakra, that clitoral center of ourselves and, and have that kind of pleasure. So if your libido is lagging, if you don't feel like you're having the sexual response that you want to have, it's very likely you know, hormonal stuff aside, and we have a whole program called Sexy Flow to address all the functional medicine reasons why your sex drive might be lagging hormonally. But in addition, it's this whole self-pleasure practice that can really prime you to really be open to receiving the physical pleasure when you are actually engaged in it. It's all connected. We are holistic creatures. We are women. So you wanted to hear what brings me pleasure lately? Yeah. What have you looked, what have you discovered? Okay. Hot tea in my hands feels really great because it's cold right now. I think in the summer, it might flip to iced tea. But right now, I love hot tea. 
Oh my gosh. The thing that has brought me the massive amount of pleasure has been coloring my adult coloring book with markers, the specific gel pens while drinking my almond tea, my roasted almond tea, which I mentioned in a favorite episode while (laughs) watching a dating class online by Matthew Hussey. I think it's gettheguy.co.uk, who's a very cute British (laughs) dating expert out there helping the women to build their confidence. They had an online class. It was just $30. And I was like, you know what? This is going to be fun. Let's do this. And coloring while drinking tea and watching him speak was like most massive amount of pleasure I could possibly imagine. And side note on that for everyone, all the ladies that are single, Matthew's going to be coming on the show. So I'm so excited to be sharing his advice and tips and his voice with you. (laughs) Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. So anyways, that's probably the most massive amount of pleasure at one time. But then also... I got Smith & Colt nail polish, which is five free and beautiful. So I have that as one of the things. I love doing my own nails. I don't like getting them done as much as I like doing them myself. I also got a cashmere wrap on super, super sale at Anthropology after the holidays with my friend Ashley in Austin, which I wore on the plane. And it's, or just in general around the house, it's super drapey and super cozy. And I feel wonderful when I wear it. I also love wearing, I have all these stacking rings right now. I love wearing them. They make me feel wonderful. My jewelry right now is bringing me so much pleasure. All of it is very meaningful. It either came from my friend's store or someone that I know made it or just goes with everything. And I just love it. What else do I love? Also, this was an interesting one. I love sitting in the window on the plane. And I am also someone who flies Southwest. And I'm also someone that does not pay $12 to get the grade A. So you always get the seat you want. I'm always the person that's like, oh, yeah, I have to check in, don't I? (laughs) So I'm kind of always in the late B's to the C's category, depending on when you log in and check in. So often C, meaning center or cream of the cookie, I am kind of in the middle, which was going to be the case for this one day. Actually, I was going to be on the aisle seat on the way home from a ski trip. There was a man and I think his son was sitting, you know, at the window and in the middle. And I just decided to ask. I was like, do you care? Because I thought typically a lot of, you know, larger men especially like to be in the aisle because they have more room to spread out. And I like being in the window because I like to scrunch up and be cozy and lean on the window. So I just kind of casually just asked if they would prefer to be on the aisle, (laughs) half hoping they'd say yes, but also very casually not expecting them to actually move. And they seem to not care one iota. They just happened to do that so someone could sit down easily next to them. And so they offered the seat up. And at first I felt a little guilty. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm taking the better seat. But then I realized like this does not matter to them. This does matter to me and will bring me more pleasure. Just do it. Oh, that's a great example of advocating for your pleasure in like very ordinary moments. If it's something matters to you, you can just ask, what's the worst that's going to happen? They could have said no and you would have dealt with it. You would have wrapped your scarf around you in a different way, ordered some tea and like got out your coloring book and made that aisle seat rock. But you asked. I did. And I brought my favorite scarf. I had my cozy cashmere wrap. I took off my boots. I brought my fuzzy socks and I love sitting in the window. Yeah. You planned to make sure that you were in as much pleasure as possible. And that's the thing. Like one of my ways when I travel is I always bring all the foods and snuff supplements and tea and snacks that I want because I don't expect to find it in every location, although it's getting much, much easier. I will always joke a third of my luggage is always like food and supplements and tea and chocolate. And like, you know, I just bring my kitchen with me, you know? So yeah. Do you feel like you have some new experiments that you're going to be doing ongoing? Yes. 
I think it will be interesting when I am dating more <laughs> to see how I pull that into dating. But, and even there, actually, I've been, as I have started to date, I've been really clear on what I want in a relationship sense and also in like a physical sense. And it's been kind of awesome to just own that and not feel ashamed or whatever for whatever I am ready for or feel like doing. I don't know. It's awesome. Right, right. Going forward, I just want to keep looking for it. I think the big shift that you helped me see was to start seeking pleasure as a practice, asking myself that question and like going, all right, making sure that I take that extra step to dim down the lights in the evening or light the lavender candle while I'm writing emails or go, is this the most comfortable place for me to be doing this work right now? Would I rather be on the sofa than sitting at this desk? Or would I really want to wear this outfit? Or do I feel like wearing something else because it'll be cozier or because it'll make me feel even more pleasure? Like literally all of those things are things that I just have to keep continually asking myself and getting that muscle built up. So I think you had said something about you need to be continually asking yourself, how can I embody pleasure in this moment? That kind of recursive thought is the big thing because it's easy to get out of it. And then I'll do it for a little while and I'm like in it, I'm glowing, like people are like attracted to me, they're talking to me out of nowhere, like all these things are going well. And then I kind of lose sight of it and it gets a little dry and then I get a little irritated or irritable and then I'm out of it. And I'm like, oh man, it felt so good to be in it. And then getting back into that space and that energy is kind of, it's not the end of the world. I'm just like recognizing that you can get back in if you lose your way. Yeah. Something that I never thought would be applicable to this practice was my wardrobe, (laughs) like shopping. But I'm one of those people where I don't really love, I mean, I like shopping, but I don't like want to be shopping for clothes every weekend. That's not my pleasure. I know for some women that is like the favorite hop and go for it. You know, for me, it's like not, I find it a little like, oh my God, there's so many choices and how does it all go together? And I get a little like overwhelmed by it. So I really invested a lot of time in putting together a wardrobe for myself that was more, let's say, Parisian inspired. You know, they always say the Parisians have like fewer pieces, nicer quality, and everything kind of matches together. So you can just like pull anything out and it always works. And I was like, you know what? I really want one of those closets where I open it up and I could just like blindfolded, pull three things out and boom, it's going to be great. And I have that now. And I just, it's not a stress for me to get dressed. It's really pleasurable to, you know, and it's like, oh, which bracelet am I going to wear? Which necklace? Like it's just fun and everything works together. And I just really love that about is every time I open up my closet, I just marvel at it and it brings me a little joy. And that was something that I was another one of my edges of like, oh, how can I bring it to something that I really haven't had a lot of pleasure with? And so, you know, I keep pushing my envelope even still. And so I'm, I love to hear that you have some new ideas. Actually, I have another one, by the way. Yeah. Yes. As you said, the wardrobe, I remembered you had given me the homework. I have not yet fulfilled it, but I'm being patient with that. You told me to make sure that my bedding and my bedroom has everything that brings me pleasure, only things that bring me pleasure in the bedroom. And I have not gotten the new bedding because I have like holes in my duvet cover and I want a coverlet. I just haven't found one. And I'd like to get some nicer shams and then a little poof in the corner. 
some artwork, but I have really been deliberate about waiting for the things that really bring me pleasure. So I haven't found the items yet. But did you at least take out like the stuff that's related to work and other things? Oh yeah, that was always out of there. Good, good. So that was never a problem. I know for other people, I've mentioned this on Instagram and they said they have laundry or other things in their bedrooms that they're kind of dealing with and figuring out what's right for them in their scenarios. But I've never had work stuff in there. I'm just looking to upgrade the bedding that's kind of a little weak right now, but I'm also not rushing it because I want to make sure that the real pleasure things, not just like, how quickly can I get this changed? I love that. And I want to share one last story about the dating thing, which is when I went on my very first date, not the night that I met my husband, but the very first date with my now husband, we were having dinner. It was the appetizer course. And I don't know what conversation we were having, but my response was in the context of the conversation. But the truth that was in me that wanted to come out was what I said. And I told him, I said, you know, at this point, and I had been dating a bunch and I, I just was really clear, like you were saying, you're clear. And I'm, I'm sharing this story with you because I want to inspire you to find your own version of this. But I said to him, I said, you know, I'm only interested in this point in co-creating extraordinary relationship with someone. That's the game that I'm playing. That's what I'm interested in. And I just put it on the table. I didn't have any expectation for him to start opining on that or responding to that. I just, I just put him on notice that that's what I was about and that's who I was calling in and let him know so that he could filter that through his system. And if that wasn't him, he could make an empowered choice to leave at some point on the next date or not call me for another date or whatever. But if that was him, I wanted to call him out to rise to the occasion and bring his best self to me, which is what he chose to do. Lucky man. And so he got to marry me and all that good stuff. You know, and that didn't stop at that comment. You know, it was everything about from our sex life to it was a great example of kind of how we talk through things. I I have a really clear vision of, you know, what it is that I want. And I share it with him and he marinates on it. And then he usually shares my values, but just didn't know, didn't think of it in that way or wasn't thinking of it consciously. You know, for example, after we had a kid, I said, you know, when she was born, I was like, listen, his name is Vic. I was like, Vic, here's what I want for her and for our family life. You know, this is what I want now that she's here. Like I'm crystal clear. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm a yes for that. I see the wisdom of that choice and I want to do what I can to support that. So it's really wonderful to be in partnership with someone who is turned on by my inspirational visions for things. And then we together as a couple map out the how that we're going to do that. And, you know, that's, that's our dynamic. And, and that, I guess we set up the very first date over the appetizer, of course, and I didn't even realize it, but I did it because I was willing to be courageous, speaking my truth, following my pleasure. That was what was pleasurable for me was telling him that. I, I got pleasure from speaking my mind. And that's all I was following at that moment, not realizing that it was opening up this whole other door for a future that we're now living into. Let's look at how this applies to also recognizing what your partner wants. So we've been speaking very much from what you want for pleasure. How do we merge that with someone else's pleasure or view of pleasure? Oh my God. Let me just talk about my husband then because he's such a great example of this. Okay. So First of all, when I met him, he was, you know, he just didn't know who he, 
he had never been in an environment, in a relationship environment. It's what I call relationships. Like there are these environments that we create for ourselves. He's never, he had never been in an environment with any other relationship where he, through the process of being in that relationship, could expand into himself. And then he met me and I was in the practice of trying to be the full expression of myself, to be the full expression of myself. And so he was really inspired by that and started you know, kind of sharing some of his visions that he maybe hadn't talked about ever. So that's one side. One side is that I gave him permission by me doing me, gave him implicit permission to to really start to investigate his own pleasure and what makes him happy. And then the second thing was I go out of my way to one of the ways that I love him. One of my loving acts for my husband is I carefully observe him. You can only imagine what it's like being married to me. I'm like a surgeon, I see what's going on. I'm like, oh, you need this, or this is what it is. Or like, I just, I deeply look at him. And I remember one time we were taking a road trip to the beach, our first road trip together, actually. And we were singing along to the radio because I just, that's like one of my favorite things to do in the car. And to 80s rock music. Oh my God, I love the 80s music. And so, <laughs> so, you know, we were singing along and and I was listening to him and I'm, I happen to be classically trained at one point in my life. I was much more into music than I, you know, am now. Um, and singing was a passion of mine. And, and so I was listening to him sing and not on purpose, but I was like, oh, wow, listen, he has like a lot of like raw talent, but he doesn't have any breath control. He doesn't know how to do like the addiction and like, you know, the whole, I was, you know, my brain was just doing that, like, you know, classically trained thing. And I just put it, I just tucked it in my pocket because it was only the first couple of months that we were dating that we took this trip together. So I just didn't know what to do with that information. But as, you know, as soon as we kind of got serious, which was later that fall, I think it was maybe the, that Christmas or maybe his next birthday, I gifted him a series of three sessions with a vocal coach. And I just said, you know, I just really see that you have this talent that I don't think you've really done anything with. And I just want you to go and have some fun. And, you know, if you don't like it, you don't have to keep going. So he went. And then he kept going with this coach. And then he found a band that needed a lead singer. They cut an album with his, he manifested his idol, his one of his favorite rock bands as a teenager or boy. He got to record with the guy in the band, that guy's recording studio, the whole thing. And the, he had his record release party for his first album while I was in my second trimester performing on stage. Recently, he just opened for the former lead singer of the Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, he's just his music career. I mean, this is not even what he does professionally. He's like a finance guy. <laughs> he's just an, inside of my like nerdy math husband is this like sexy beast rock star. And I am one of the things I will like love forever that I have been able to do is like hold a lot of space for him to that for that to come out and encourage that and nurture that and just give him a lot of freedom to pursue that pleasure and he loves me for that and of course I love him for the pleasure he affords me and he loves me for the pleasure I afford him it's great and we mutually support each other's pleasure like that is one of the mantras of our relationship is like is this in your highest pleasure you know, great, then let's find a way to make it work. So it's such a good practice because not only will you model it for your partner, because you want your partner to be independently happy. You're not the source of somebody's happiness and neither are they the source of yours. So you have to generate your own joy, your own juice and this, the practice of prioritizing your pleasure 
is the way to do that. But then it creates an environment in your relationship where you're, you really cherish that, doing that for the other person, seeking out opportunities to do that for the other person, carefully observing them, creating those opportunities and experiences for them, and they do that for you. And that is just the best, just juicy. It's just wonderful. It's, everybody feels loved up and supported. And, and what a great place to come from when you do get into the bedroom, there's no resentment. There's no like, oh, you know, he's so selfish. He doesn't help me unload the groceries. Like there's none of that hanging over your head. So it's like, okay, now I got to switch into the mode of like, let's get it on. I mean, I would be like, no, <laughs> I'd be like, no, buddy. Like maybe if you unloaded the groceries, maybe I, I couldn't do it personally. I am, I'm too sensitive. I take things too personally. I, I can't, I would not be able to just switch that off. And I don't blame you if you can't switch it off either. I think that's an impossible task. I really do. I, I mean, I can't stop thinking about that stuff. You know, honestly, one of my pet peeves about my husband is he seals the jars of everything too tight. Cause he's, you know, he's bigger hands. He's stronger. Like, and I, I try to open up the coconut oil in the morning to make my daughter some eggs. And I'm like swearing him out. I have told you a hundred times not to do this. He's not even in the room. Like I just, it really drives me nuts, but this is like a small problem. <laughs> and it's only playful when it's time for us to like, you know, have some foreplay. I like, you know, I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm so mad at you for not, you know, leaving the jar less tight for me. And he's like, Oh really? <laughs> And it's like a fun jumping off point. And there's no other stress that we're fighting about. I mean, of course, there are times that that happens, but but we seek to resolve that in a way that's pleasurable too. You know, talking it through, making sure we're, each of us are heard. You know, there's just so many great techniques to use when it comes to relationship. And why not do everything from a really conscious, curated, on-purpose way? You know, it's just, it's your one wild and precious life. Like, do it on purpose. So, Elisa, this has been one wild and precious episode. So we're going to skip the doubts and resistance question since we've gone so over. But I would love to wrap this up with this question. What would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? Just make a list of five things that you know you like. And just go out of your way. Start with once a week, giving yourself one of the things on the list. And then over the course of two months, work yourself up to that once a day you're giving yourself one of the things on the list. And by the time you're at the place where you're once a day, you'll have every skill you need. You'll have worked through all the stuff, all the doubts, all the fears, all the, the triggers, all the buttons, all the stuff, all the programming. You will have naturally worked through it all so that it really is just a new muscle that you've built and you can have as much or as little pleasure prioritizing as you want during the day. And you can start to expand that into relationships, into the bedroom, into your career. You can just start to really Paint your life with the brush strokes and the colors of things that make you happy and light you up. Beautiful. And I will say for everyone, I, that is part of your protocol as well. I've been doing your flow living. And I will say when I first came across it in the class, I had a hard time writing stuff down. So for anyone that's thinking about this and they're like, so not in this mind space, like even hopefully our suggestions we share that bring us pleasure are jumping off points for you. And hopefully this is going to actually inspire you in a, in a greater way. But I will say I didn't have a lot of things at first to put down. It was kind of this self-care list that I was like, take a bubble bath. But really, no, not in the current path I have, at least not in this house with the clawfoot tub that's super cold and doesn't have a drain spout thing that can stop it. Like, no, I'm not actually, I don't really want to do that. But 
maybe some of the stuff we said sounds fun. And really, I think if you can get to a place where you have like an hour or two of your day, where you actually are feeling that embodiment, all five senses tingling from your sensory experience of things that you're doing, that feeling is going to get anchored in you and you're going to know what it feels like. And that's pretty cool because then you can go, what right now is going to help me feel that way? And that's kind of interesting compared to writing down the list of everything that you think might make you feel good. Not that that's not great, but it's just... No, you, you do have to actually do it. So however your brain, I mean, that's a great example of like, you know, we're all different types of learners. So for me, I love to like write things down and make lists. But if you're like Jess and that was, that's not your pleasure, don't do that. Do what she's saying, which is, you know, just start with something, you know, during the day where you can feel your, your body. Like, you know, what does this smell like right now? Just pay attention. Like, how does my coffee smell in my cup? You know, how does that, you know, how does my body feel in these clothes? Just ask yourself those questions of how am I feeling Ask yourself the five senses question. What's happening to my five senses right now? And does this feel good? And can I make it feel any better? Yeah. Can I put perfume on? Can I light a candle? That would be the smelling stuff. Or can I make a cup of tea? Those would be the smelling senses. One of the other things you told me that stuck with me when we talked about shoes, you're like, what shoes bring you pleasure? And I didn't know if you're going to say high heels or clogs. I didn't know where you're going with that. But you mentioned that whatever you're wearing should bring you pleasure. So you said, you know, when I wear my sneakers and my jeans and my baseball cap and I go to the park with my daughter, I'm wearing that outfit in the cutest way that is most pleasurable for me possible. So I feel super cute doing that. Or if I'm in my PJs cuddled up on the couch, it's bringing me pleasure. And I am really enjoying how I'm wearing and what I'm wearing in this sense. So that was interesting too, to even think about getting enjoyment from the outfit you wear to the park was just a, a, a like a grounding moment for me in terms of what this really kind of looks like. Yeah. It's very ordinary, this practice. This is not like putting glitter on everything or bejazzling yourself. This is like, how can you be present to the joy, the, the bliss, the extraordinary in those ordinary moments by bringing your body as a focal point, right? So in meditation, they talk about minding your breath and using your breath as an anchor. In the pleasure conversation, I'm saying use your body as the anchor to say, well, how does this look? How does this feel? How does this smell? How does this taste? How is this a feeling on my skin? And be present to those sensations. And just naturally by focusing on those sensory experiences, your pleasure will amplify. Elise, I could talk to you forever, but let's wrap it here and have you again. Sorry, Dr. Oz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to come back anytime. And for the, seriously, for those of you who are also like struggling with a little bit of the libido issue and some hormonal stuff, come check out the Sexy Flow program. It's uh, something I just put together at the last fall. It's a great opportunity to fix what's going on, but then also really deep in this conversation that we've been having together, Jess, and really put it into practice. So I got you covered. Elisa, thank you so much as always. You are awesome. I love you too. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Elisa, thank you so much for coming on the show again. If you'd like to send Elisa a message, you could do so over at Flow Living on Twitter, F-L-O Living. And for me, I'm on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at Jess C as in chocolate covered cherry lively. For show notes for today's episode, hop over to JessLively.com slash Vidi part two. And before I share who's coming up next week on the show, I'd like to share a little bit about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. You guys have heard me talk about FreshBooks before, and I will say it again. I love bookkeeping because of FreshBooks. I have used them for, I think, four years now and have been so hooked on how easy, simple, beautiful, and 
visual. They've really made it. They make it so easy to see where your numbers are. They have a bar chart that I love looking at that has my income and my expenses for each month sitting right on the dashboard when I get in. I can see what income hasn't come in yet. I automatically create PayPal invoices through FreshBooks that once they're paid or viewed, I see that recorded automatically in FreshBooks. So I very rarely have to go into PayPal itself in order to do any invoicing. And it's just fun to use. If you want to give it a shot and see for yourself, go over to freshbooks.com backslash lively for your free 30-day trial. Again, that's freshbooks.com backslash lively. And I'd love to hear if you're enjoying it as much as I am. And now for a sneak peek. Next week on the show, we have Brene Brown coming on the show. We're going to be discussing Rising Strong, her new book, Boundary Setting, Compassion. We're going to talk about the concept of Santosha and more. I can't wait to share it with you. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. 